welcome back to On Call, a podcast from Amerisource Bergen, where we discuss the latest industry information relevant to our GPO member practices. In this episode, a part of our biomarker testing series, we're joined by Dr. Manish Patel, Director of Drug Development for Florida Cancer Specialists, to talk about the reasons for biomarker testing in the community oncology setting. From identifying when biomarker tests may be done to identifying the factors, challenges, or barriers that affect decision-making in regard to biomarker testing. Can you tell us a little bit about why it's important for community oncologists to address biomarker testing? Yeah, sure. So, you know, a lot of the therapies that we are currently giving and that are being studied on various clinical trials, a good number of those are based on specific biomarkers. Precision medicine targeted therapy is a big part of how we treat patients currently in oncology, but it it also is going to be the uh, main focus of therapy going forward. There's a lot more oral oncolytics and other mutation-specific therapies that will be coming out in the future. So the more we test now, the better it is for our patients going forward. And How and when does biomarker testing fit into the treatment paradigm? So in terms of when to incorporate the testing, it really depends on the disease and the patient situation. There's not an exact answer for all patients. In general, the bulk of biomarker testing, mutation-based next-generation sequencing testing occurs in the metastatic refractory setting because that's where a lot of these therapies that are approved for those mutations are indicated, right? But there are a few that are tested earlier on, so not in the refractory setting, but even first-line set in the metastatic population, especially in non-small cell lung cancer. But some of these therapies are being looked at even earlier and earlier, so more to come on those indications in the future. But I think generally, refractory setting is certainly an area that fits um, for mutation-based testing, but it really depends on the disease type as well. And can you discuss the importance of waiting for all test results prior to making treatment decisions? Yeah, and I think that also depends on the patient's clinical situation. Ideally, it it is worthwhile to wait for all the mutation testing to come back prior to selecting therapy. There are some therapies, for example, in in non-small cell lung cancer, if, if you find out later that the patient's EGFR mutated, and you give a drug like osimertinib after immunotherapy, those patients often have more immune-related adverse events later versus doing the opposite. So that's a great example of wishing you had the EGFR testing back before you started any kind of therapy for metastatic non-small cell lung cancer. There are some patients, everybody, all medical oncologists go through this, where that just really can't wait clinically for therapy to start. And you have to do what's best for the patient. So oftentimes we do choose therapy first before the, the full results come back. But there's a good amount of time that we can switch therapy once some results come back. But it's all, always ideal if the patient's clinical situation allows it to wait for certain key mutation testing to come back. The turnaround time for a lot of these has certainly improved over the years. The tissue-based tests are often back within 7, 10 days sometimes. The peripheral blood testing is becoming faster and faster. So most patients, if you're already planning, and most of us can sense when patients are progressing, sending off earlier the better. Wait for the results to come back and start new therapy rather than 
being in that situation where you want to start therapy, but you have to wait for the results to come back. We know that there are different testing methodologies that may identify different molecular changes. Why is it important, in your opinion, for clinicians to understand the methodology of testing during the ordering process? Yeah, it, it's a, certainly a difficult area because a lot of us who, are, who practice medical oncology aren't truly trained in the very specifics scientifically of how these tests are formed and what they're exactly testing down to a DNA RNA level. But it is very important to understand the basics behind the testing because it really does dictate what mutations are tested for and then therefore what therapies can be given, right? And so it is true that the bulk of the mutations that we are looking for are DNA-based and most of the um, standard next-generation sequencing testing covers those. But for example, fusion-based testing, rearrangements, there are several targets like that where certain therapies are only indicated for certain fusions. And those are typically picked up on the RNA-based testing mechanisms platforms. So you want to make sure that you choose testing that can cover all of those mutations that you think there could be a targeted therapy for. For example, NTREC a tumor agnostic treatment. And so it can be indicated for any tumor type that has an NTREC mutation. There's NTREC inhibitors out there. And that is testing platforms that do not test all three NTRECs. And so you have to be aware of that when, when choosing your platform. I would certainly recommend choosing a testing, a next generation sequencing platform that covers all the mutations that are out there for a particular patient's case, including the fusions. Can you talk a little bit about receiving the results from a DNA panel and then reflexing to an RNA panel? Is that standard or are there certain situations yeah, where you proceed well, that way? Right. Once again, that gets to the point of knowing what test you're selecting up front. You want to choose a test up front so you don't have to do that where you don't have to reflex too much. Where it's all done, up, it may take you know a few days more, a few days longer, but it's worth it where you're not finding out later that, oh, I, I didn't test um, this fusion that I was looking for or wanted to make sure that the patient doesn't have. And then you're reflexing to an RNA-based therapy. But it's certainly done. It certainly can be done. And it's no harm, usually long-term. For most of these patients, you can wait for the results, but it's certainly more ideal to get all of it up front. How does panel testing as opposed to single gene testing fit into your clinical workflow? I would tell you that most medical oncologists are going to select the wide panel of testing for mutations. There, there are some situations where you want to know the major mutations that could exist for that cancer because there's therapies targeted just for those mutations. And all the other therapies may, all the other potential targets or other therapies may just be available in clinical trials that may take a while for a patient to get on. So for example, non-small cell lung cancer, there's a handful of mutations that we want to make sure we are evaluating because it dictates early therapy. But while you're doing those, I think it's helpful to know other mutations because there's certainly a good number of clinical trials being done all over the world, even in the early setting. If for mutations and that have therapy just available in trials are uh, not standard of care. So it's, it's helpful to know as much as you can up front if it gets approved and, and able to be done. Can you give some examples of situations when you would use different panels? Well, I think in general, we aim to have the full panel to be done, both DNA and RNA-based testing. 
there are times where if you just wanted to look at, for example, once again, the metastatic non-small cell lung cancer setting, and you wanted to make sure you've tested for ALK, ROS, EGFR, NTREC, RET, I, I think it's certainly reasonable to test for those in particular and then perhaps do others later if you know that the patient's not a trial candidate and, and there's other situations where you think that they would have to just stay local and you want to test that and then do the other ones later. So those are more specific panels rather than a, a wide panel. I think we maybe touched on this this next question already, but uh, could you give some examples of when you would get results that would lead to ordering another panel or individual test? Sure. We always aim for tissue-based testing, but there's a lot of data to suggest that the peripheral blood testing is comparable to tissue-based and so there are times where a peripheral blood testing next generation sequence panel is done and um, it may conflict with NGS panel from tissue. And so sometimes you have to order subsequent testing to show what the true answer is and if there is actually what mutations are more prominent uh, and what to go with sometimes. So you have to confirm sometimes with other testing if you have discrepant results. But there are times also where, like we talked about earlier, if you ordered a limited panel and it doesn't show anything relevant, and at the time of when patient needs therapy, you're going to want more of a wide-based comprehensive panel. So that's generally what happens when people order a limited panel. They want to expand it and order more testing. What's often done in oncology now is we know that disease changes over time. And so you could have a panel that was done in the past, whether tissue or blood-based, and then patient started on therapy and the disease progresses, that'd be a great time to test for the new mutations again, whether from a fresh biopsy or peripheral blood testing. So we certainly see these panels change over the course of disease, and it certainly leads to more options for the patient to turn to treatment. Are there any other factors besides the ones we've discussed that uh, you consider when deciding which test to order? Yeah, I, I think in general, not which particular vendors to use, but in terms of, for example, tissue versus peripheral blood, that can often dictate things, right? So if you have in regards to a patient's case, sometimes when you look at the disease on the scans, they don't have a, a, a lesion that can be safely biopsied, but you still want to know um, mutations they have. I think peripheral blood testing is perfect in that situation, right? It's, it's ideal. So that does dictate that it's a certain situation that where you can't get tissue testing, but blood is a, is a good backup. And, and there are often times where it's frustrating when we try to order tissue-based, when we order biopsies and you get back quantity not sufficient. And so you wait for the results to come back. And that is frustrating for a lot of clinicians that you order a tissue-based, uh, you order um, a biopsy of a lesion and you order tissue-based next-generation sequencing, and then a week or 10 days go by, and you find out that the quantity wasn't sufficient to run the panel that you wanted to run. And now you're stuck, um, and you have to go back to what you could have started off with a peripheral blood testing. So that happens, and that is frustrating, and it's something that happens later. Um, and also, I think for certain areas of the country, there are some panels that are just not covered, certain vendors and so on, so from a patient standpoint. It is frustrating. It could be costly. I personally seen that particular situation doesn't exist as much as it used to. I think a lot of the companies that do a lot of this testing do 
either have support programs or waive the costs if a patient's insurance um, doesn't cover. So I think those areas have certainly improved. And I think just knowledge, right? I think overall, you kind of have to keep up with this. And there's a lot of emerging biomarkers, but lots of clinical trials are being done and with targeted therapy. And oncologists should be keeping up with this, hopefully. But it is such a, so much is being done. It's, it's difficult. And if you don't know what's coming and what's emerging, and it can affect how you treat, what you treat, and what you look for in terms of clinical trials for your patient. And so that is a difficult part with oncology right now is just keeping up with all these different various mutations and uh, how to order it and where to order it. You've kind of started to touch on some of the pain points when it comes to ordering these tests, but can you maybe give a little more details about some of the challenges and barriers you encounter and how you deal with those? Yeah, I think it's kind of what, I, what we just talked about. It's more of making sure you, you get the results that you're looking for when you ordered it, right? If the quantity is not sufficient, sometimes you order a biopsy, the patient has to wait for the biopsy to be ordered and are scheduled and it's done. And then they wait for the results and it comes back and it's not a not sufficient amount of tissue for them to run the panel. That can be frustrating. And just the turnaround time, it's obviously improving the clinicians, patients. We're always wanting to start therapy as soon as possible. And that's always ideal to get these results in a timely fashion. So, you know, there's a waiting game for some patients' tumors as well. That's all for this episode of On Call. Subscribe to our channel to get notified when the next episode in this series drops. If you have any questions for today's guest or have a topic you would like to learn more about, email us at oncallgpo at gmail.com. Until next time, stay safe and thanks for listening.